Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. In this episode, we do an interview with Cheryl Chandler from Truth and Mercy Ministries about how to minister to a mom's practical needs as well as minister the gospel. Stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. Appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. Appreciate if you guys would share this podcast with your friends and let folks know that we're we're doing these episodes. And we're doing these episodes, we're gearing these episodes toward people who are really on the front lines. Mm-hmm. People who are like us at the abortion centers reaching out, but also to pregnancy centers and others in other types of ministry that, that touch the issue of life and the reach out to women that are considering abortions. So just share these podcasts. Let folks know... Um, just some of the things that you've been blessed by. Let us know. Reach out to me, dparks at citiesforlife.com. You can let me know what you think of the podcast, some episode ideas that you have. Also, you can re- reach out to Vicki at vcasiorg at citiesforlife.com. Uh, but let's jump into this episode. We have a, a special guest uh, with us, Miss Cheryl Chandler, who's with Truth and Mercy Ministries. We've worked alongside with them. They've worked alongside with us. Since Cities for Life got started, Cheryl has been in ministry. She just told me 32 years, Truth and Mercy Ministries, but she's been in pro-life work for a long time. I think we can really glean a lot of wisdom from her, and she's just got a unique perspective as it comes to um, the ministry of reaching out to these moms after they've chosen life and uh, doing baby showers, and she's done many baby showers for moms that have chosen life here in Charlotte and beyond. And so, Cheryl, just introduce yourself real quick. I've already kind of introduced you, but you're Cheryl Chandler, Truth and Mercy Ministries. What, what else do you want to add to that? You're a mom. Well, you're Yes. Hi, Daniel and Vicki. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. It's really an honor to be with you today. Yeah. Um, I live here in Charlotte okay. and have since 1983, long time. Um, I have two kids, and they're both grown now. One got married this past summer, Bethany. She's 22, and she's now a nurse mm-hmm. at Duke Hospital, graduated college last May. And um, my son, Nathan, is 19. He's a business major at UNC Charlotte. Wow. Great. Cool. And my husband is Doug. We've been married, oh gosh, 34 years, I think. I can't do that math. <laughs> 34 years, 34 and a half, I think. Okay. Now, so. Yeah, cool. And so you've been, uh, Truth and Mercy Ministries has been going on for how long? Well, Truth and Mercy, we'll get into that in the story a little bit. I officially named the ministry Truth and Mercy just back in, I think, 2006. Okay. Mm. So not that long, but I started in pro-life ministry back in 1988. Okay. In October of 88, so it'll be 32 years in just a couple of weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, without beating around the bush, let's get right into that, because I want to hear some of your history in the pro-life movement and uh, just how you got involved with what you're doing now. Okay. Well, everyone's got a backstory, yeah. including mm-hmm. the women who come to the clinic for abortion services. Mm-hmm. And they, like I, um, are typically dragging a trail of brokenness behind them. Mm. Um, My family life as a young child and a teen really involved a whole lot of brokenness in my family. We we were a church-going family my whole life. And I knew a lot about God, but I did not know God. And, Mm. And all the brokenness and trauma of my family caused me, personally, as a girl, to never want marriage or family 
of my own. I was miserable as a kid, and I did not want to continue that family misery into my adult life. And so I really embraced the sexual revolution that I grew up in in the 70s. And I was raised on the feminist wave of Mm -hmm. the 70s, and I got most of my moral instruction, unfortunately, from magazines like Glamour Magazine, Mademoiselle Vogue, And these are really godless rags that I caution anyone and everyone within the sound of my voice (laughs) from consuming. They led me to very dark and very, very damaging places. Mm -hmm. So you can just suffice it to say that back in the 70s and 80s, I was very pro-choice. It's just all I knew. And just to put a little, I guess, timeline where your listeners can know, I, I just turned 59 last week. So this was back in the 70s, and you let me tag a timeline again. Roe v. Wade was decided um, in 1973. Right. So I had a lot of godless views and a lot of godless ideas, and I remember defending them in freshman composition papers mm. <laughs> in college, and God help my professor mm. <laughs> who had to read through all of that. Yeah. But thankfully, the Lord pursued me and saved me when I was 20 years old. I was a junior in college, and he used a wonderful campus ministry and some wonderful believers to draw me to himself. And um, he radically saved me. He really did. And the pro-choice stance, though, was, was it took a little while for that to fall. Yeah. It took a couple of years, I would say, for that to fall away. But fast forward, I graduated in 1983, and I moved here to Charlotte for a job in my field of graphic design. And I was growing in the Lord. Um, I was active in church. I was making a lot of strides with with God. And um, I met my husband, Doug. He was a native Carolinian, and we married in 86. Um, And in the summer of 1988, I started hearing the national news about Operation Rescue. And this was a pro-life movement where Christians peacefully put their physical bodies between the killers inside the clinic and the victims outside the clinic. And this made sense to me. (laughs) This was the first pro-life ministry action activity that made so much sense to me. And... um, they, they blocked the doors, they risked arrest for second-degree trespass, and the whole movement was based on Proverbs 2411, which says, rescue those unjustly sentenced to death, don't stand back and let them die. And blocking the doors bought time for mm-hmm. sidewalk counselors to reach the women and talk to the women and um, offer help and hope. So this made a lot of sense to me, a Charlotte group. Um, organized, and I was on fire. And that was October 88. That was my start, and I've been involved ever since. Um, I have personally blocked the doors, and I've been arrested 13 times. I've served jail time for each of those arrests. I, um, I always refused to pay the fines. That was always an option. You could pay a fine and not go to jail, but I refused to pay a fine because I thought the whole system is corrupt. I'm not paying into it. Yeah. But mostly during that time, I was sidewalk counseling, um, and I sidewalk counseled from 1988 to even now, although now I do very little of it, and we'll get to the reason for that. But um, I trained a lot of early sidewalk counselors. 
Um, for several years, our group would hold rescues. We would block doors about four times a year. Those were kind of big rescue events. But every other week, every other weekend, we were sidewalk counseling and what we called picketing at that time. And I'll get to the reason why we call it picketing or did. Mm. So that's a little background. Yeah. Wow. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just for you guys who are listening, um, we we did it. We did an episode some time ago about civil disobedience and how some of that fits into our Christian worldview and, and biblically. So we won't labor that point. One of the things I will say is that folks like you and Flip, which we did mm-hmm. an interview with, and others, even folks that that volunteer with us now who were involved in the rescue movement, really plowed the ground, really made the way for what we're doing here in Charlotte. We're not doing, obviously, the rescues anymore, but it really did plow the ground. It really did make the way and stirred up the church and got people's attention toward the issue of abortion and really, I think, made a shift because for a long time, it seems like um, the issue of abortion and being at an abortion clinic and intervening like that was just sort of, a, it was a Catholic thing. Yeah. But really, the rescues brought the evangelical church. And so, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like just in me reading some of the history with that, brought the evangelical church to the forefront of this battle. And really, hey, this is our battle because this is this is on the Lord's heart. These babies matter to Him. Ministering the gospel there in that context is important to the heart of God. Um, so am I correct in all of that? And just really in the rescue movement, bringing the evangelical church along from your view? I think so. That would be my assessment as well. Although rescue did involve many Catholics, yeah. they were part of it too. But yeah. it did, I think, wake up the Protestant church, yeah. the evangelical yeah. church. So we could go on for hours for like, right. we should do a whole other <laughs> podcast on all that. I, I didn't even know all of that about yeah. you. But but where, at what point did you start what I do know of you, which is truth and mercy and, and becoming involved in baby showers? How did that evolve? And I would love to hear about how your unique perspective of baby showers, because yours is not at all the typical baby shower. I love your approach and I love your philosophy behind why you approach baby showers the way that you do. Okay. So how did that all about? Okay. Well, as you know, I began as just a typical sidewalk counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, we were kind of weekend warriors for two decades. I showered many of the moms who I met and kept up with. But each time I showered a mom, I had to start from scratch to collect baby items for each mom because I didn't have any supplies stored. I didn't have a storage unit. I didn't have anything like that. So I just kind of started from the beginning. Facebook wasn't around back then, Let me tell you, that's my next statement. (laughs) This was way before social media. This was, um, we didn't use chisels and stones, but we did. (laughs) I didn't even have voicemail. an answering machine on my personal phone at home at this time. I didn't even have email. So, I mean, it was literally making call after call after call after call to people I thought might have a crib they were finished with or a car seat or something like that. And those people made calls, too. So it did spread out. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just me making them. But but the responsibility fell to me to make sure each thing, you know, was, was met, each need was met. So it was way before any of the conveniences of communication that we have now. And can I just ask, so there's so many needs of the moms that we meet who are coming to kill their baby. The baby shower, was that, how did that become such a 
an important need? Or did you see that as that was critical and a turning point for some of these moms that you met? It, it was a turning point for some. And like I say, I didn't shower very many, mm-hmm. maybe three or four a year at okay. this early stage, mm-hmm. like back in 88, 89, 90, just maybe three or four. Because each time it was it was a huge endeavor right. <laughs> each time to, to get. And they weren't as lavish as they are now by any stretch. They were just kind of what I could collect and, and patch together. But um, I just over the years of sidewalk counseling, keeping up with moms, you know, that maybe had their baby a couple of years ago, just keeping up with them. I just saw the need more and more and more and more clearly that the gospel (laughs) was what they really needed. Yeah, right. You know, because because sin patterns are not broken easily. Um, They're not broken in my life easily, and they're certainly not broken in their life. So it was just became more and more and more apparent how critical the gospel was. Mm -hmm. And I saw the baby shower as another opportunity to get in front of these women and share the gospel. It was Mm -hmm. just it was kind of an ulterior motive, to be Mm -hmm. honest. It was like if Mm -hmm. I can lure them with gifts mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's what they needed they were happy to come nobody was ever forced to come right. but right. It, it was just a way to meet the need and and their true spiritual need which is their yeah. greatest need yeah. far more than you know they need the gospel far more than they need a crib and they need a crib right. <laughs> pretty yeah. bad they got to have a car seat to have right. a, you know to have the baby in the so, car so basically it works this way unless they accept Jesus you don't give them a crib is that is that how good <laughs> We're told no. that. So. We are told no. that. Absolutely that is not. Absolutely Unless not you do our, jump through our religious hoops, you get nothing. Right. No, right. That Of course is not, not, right? Of but it is a means not. to yeah. to show them the tangible love of yes. God and mm-hmm. an opportunity to share the gospel. I mean, we're doing that on the sidewalk when we talk to them. We're right. weaving the gospel into everything we're doing. But there's another opportunity to present the gospel and give them mm-hmm. the, the ability to respond to the gospel. And you're going to share some stories, I'm sure, but... Do women respond to the gospel in that way? Have you had ladies respond oh, yes. to the gospel? Yes. Yeah, I know because we've we've heard plenty of testimonies where moms have been involved. Vicky, you've been to some of those baby showers yourself, yeah. where moms yeah. surrender their lives to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And we know the gospel is what changes hearts, not not cribs and right. those things are practical means to show the love of God. But it's ultimately the power of the gospel that changes yeah. those hearts, and that's yeah. why I appreciate what you do so much. Because in some of these, and I'm not trying to point out any ministry in particular. I don't have one in mind, but I do know just in general, a lot of these kind of helps and and mercy ministries are viewed almost as just humanitarian efforts. And the gospel is not really presented. People say, you know, they know that, you know, I love them and that's the best thing. Well, yeah, they should know that you love them and Mm -hmm. baking somebody a cake. Yeah, that should show the love. (laughs) But if you're not going to share the gospel with them and you're not going to meet their most pressing need, you're kind of, you're kind of just giving them a baby shower and you know, kind of putting springs on the wagon on their way to hell if you're not yeah. sharing the, yeah. the gospel with yeah. them. Yeah. And so my experience as I first met you is, okay, I've been to many baby showers, and here I'm invited to go because it was a mom that I had worked with, and I was invited to go to your baby shower, and I'm expecting, you know, a party. I'm expecting balloons and cake and decorations <laughs> and oodles of people. Well, your <laughs> shower was not that at all. There were le- a whole lavish room filled with gifts. I mean, not lavish room, lavish gifts. The room was filled with gifts. But you were very clear to me privately, and I think in how you developed your showers, that this was not necessarily 
a celebration. It was a celebration of that new life. I remember you telling me this and being so impressed. It was a celebration of the new life and the choice for life. But you were very careful not to be celebrating the lifestyle, life choices, and immorality and rebellion from God that led them to this place where they were in in their life. And so I'd love to hear how that came about. Was that immediately what you were thinking, I have to be careful about how this is presented? I did. I I didn't want to celebrate sin. Right. I wanted to honor the woman for making the right choice and doing the very hard thing. I wanted to honor her. I wanted to um, encourage her. I wanted to meet her need, but I didn't want to celebrate her situation. So it's a fine line, you know, to draw. It really is. And it's a very delicate tension. And um, my whole min- the whole ministry name, which I'll get to in a minute, is is a tension. <laughs> it's yeah. a biblical tension that we all experience. You guys experience it every day on the sidewalks. But I I do want to honor and encourage her and meet her needs and you know show her the love of God, the mercy of God. But I also want to bring truth right. to the table as well. And that's the tension between truth. And mercy. Right. Yeah. So, Ex- expand on that a little bit, though, because truth and mercy, that, that's the, the, the real theme of the gospel, of course, but it's the theme of your ministry. So expand on that and how that name came about. Was okay. there a point in which you said, hey, this, this should be called truth and mercy? <laughs> there was. I was vacuuming one day, really, yeah. honestly. Um, I'd been praying about a name for a long time because for years, for probably two decades, I didn't have a ministry name. I operated under Action League for Life. I operated under um, Operation Save America. I was doing showers kind of under their banner yeah. a little bit. But when it became very apparent I needed my own storage units, I was going to have to raise my own money for that, then I had to have my own name. And this was a huge step for me, a big step, because all those years I started, you know, like I said, I had to start from scratch for every shower I did with baby items. And then I started kind of storing stuff in my garage. I started storing stuff in friends' basements. Mm -hmm. I started storing stuff in friends' attics. And every shower I did, I had to go collect everything all around the city, (laughs) drive all around the city, picking through. And I had to keep like an inventory of what was where. And it was very, very, very time consuming. And I remember crying out to the Lord, I could do so many more showers, God, if I could just be more efficient with this time. And um, he just really led me delicately because it was, I was fighting. I was like, I do not want to have to raise money. I am a terrible salesperson, if you will, I could not sell a heater to an Eskimo. I would say, you don't really need this, do you? You're okay. I really, it would be very hard for me. So I told God, I said, okay, God, I'll do it. But you've got to make the fundraising part really easy (laughs) and really quick (laughs) because I, I'm afraid of it. I'm scared of it. And, and so now, um, I, I did name the ministry Truth and Mercy based on one of my favorite scriptures from Psalm 8510. And it was just coincidentally, I'll say, was in my scripture reading this morning. So I was really encouraged oh, okay. by that. Psalm 8510 says, um, love, loving kindness and truth have met together. 
Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. This is a prophetic verse about Jesus um, and his ministry to, to reconcile God's truth, his justice, his law, his wrath against sin, and his mercy. And on the cross, these two things came together in perfect reconciliation, and they, they kissed on the cross. So this is the tension of the ministry, and you too know it well. Mm-hmm. When you're sharing the gospel with someone, when you're pleading with them not to you know, destroy their child, you've got to walk this tension mm-hmm. between how hard do I hit truth and how, you know, how much mercy do I express? Mm-hmm. It's, it's very much attention, and they're very opposing things. Yeah. <laughs> they're very opposing things. Only Jesus can bring them together perfectly. Right. And I named the ministry Truth and Mercy because it reflects my dependence on God for yeah. this. I, I cannot do we it. We need the Holy Spirit to walk that tightrope of Truth and Mercy. I'll, I'll read it from the New King James Version, which okay. is probably the initial version. You probably got it from the King James, <laughs> which is Mercy and Truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Mm. And that's really, from what I've seen from the ministry that God is using you to do, that, that's what happens. And from what I've seen by God's grace on the sidewalk, we're seeing mercy and truth come together. We're seeing these yeah. two really, like you said, opposing ideas come together. And, of course, it's, it's a natural fit with the Lord that truth and mercy come together. Um, but in the minds of 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 human beings, just in our human frailties, we can't reconcile. How can God be a God of wrath and, and justice and judgment, but also be merciful and patient and kind? Mm-hmm. Well, it's who He is, and and you you do do well yeah. as you explain this to these mothers. I know my wife has been in some of those those times where you've done the baby showers, and Vicky's has uh, as too. I have mm-hmm. I haven't had. I've come and brought some items before to mm-hmm. a baby shower, but I haven't had the. The pleasure of sitting in kind of, might be kind of you awkward. You came to one that Vicky was at, and you prayed with them. They had specifically okay. asked for a pastor. Yeah, you're to right. Come I did. And pray. Yeah, and yeah you I remember came that. Now. To that one, yeah. I think the gifts were already opened by then. Yeah. yeah, but you came and you counseled and you encouraged and yeah. prayed with the mom. Yeah, so. I remember yeah. that. Now that you bring that up, yeah, it was a blessing. That one was at my house. I remember that. Yeah, uh-huh. so, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Because it's so easy to be too much of one and not enough mm-hmm. of the other. And I, th- I think that's where so many um, Christian endeavors fail. Too much truth, too much hard-hitting on the justice, and not enough of that love and mercy. And then, But too loving and merciful without sharing the hard truths. They'll just end right back up where they started. That's right. So yeah. I, I consider the truth part of the ministry to be what you guys are doing on the sidewalk, you're, mm-hmm. you're saying, you know, that abortion is wrong. Yeah. God hates this. Yeah. You cannot destroy your child. This is yeah. against God's holy law. Yeah. This is truth. And, you know, their response would be my body, my choice. But we would say from Scripture, you know, you, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Glorify exactly. God in your body. Exactly. That's what Scripture says. So yeah. we counter that with truth. And then the mercy side, once, you know, by the Holy Spirit's power, they have softened their heart and turned their heart to their child and let their child live. The mercy side is then shown at the shower where God's provision and his love and his care is just lavishly displayed with all Mm -hmm. these gifts. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell your listeners that these gifts... 
I are really quite lavish. They're beautiful. Now, yes. most of most of the things I give are gently used, mm-hmm. but I am very, very careful mm-hmm. to make sure everything is clean, everything is in working order, everything is well taken care of, just gently used in great condition. They're in beautiful bags. You put their names on the on the beautiful yes. tags so that every single gift is presented to them by name in a similar way as God presents the the gift of his free gift to us with our name our name yes. is on it i am a little ocd yes <laughs> about the gift tags i i spend a lot of time just making sure that each gift bag and each freestanding item like a swing right. or a car seat right um has a gift tag on it they're they're custom they have the mom's name on mm-hmm. them and they have the ministry name they have a scripture mm-hmm. a blessing and um i just want them to make sure that they know the gifts are for them personally. Yeah. yeah. From the Lord. And I am always, you know this, Vicki, I'm always quick to say, really at the very beginning, right. really almost verbatim, I say these gifts reflect God's love and mercy and care and provision for you. I want the woman His when lavish she sees, love, right? Yes, I remember you saying that, always so impressed by it. Yeah. <laughs> I want when I tell her, when you see this lavish display, mm-hmm. I want you to see a very small expression of God's lavish love for you, his care for you. That's what I want the gifts to reflect and represent. So I take it very seriously that these gifts represent the love and mercy of God. So Mm -hmm. I want him to be represented well Mm -hmm. with quality items and and really nice things. And they do. They get two years worth of clothes, Mm -hmm. two years worth of toys, you know, from all stages up from zero to two, um, books, Bibs, car seats, strollers, um, swings, everything you can imagine. I mean, it's, I call it from bibs to cribs. It's the whole thing, (laughs) the whole kit and caboodle. So sometimes for their siblings as well. I know I've seen you always ask about the siblings and you try to provide if possible, some Mm -hmm. things for the siblings. Mm -hmm. I do. I have, I keep some toys on hand that are probably, you know, a little older and even a few older clothes Mm -hmm. so I can, I can give gifts to siblings too, because I don't want them to feel left out. How do moms respond when you say those words, this represents the lavish love of God? And I want you, as you look around this room, I still, you say it, like you said, verbatim, every time I've been to the shower, I want, as you look around this room and you see this, I want you to see the love of God. Well, many are moved to tears. Yes. They really are. They, yeah. many are. And, and then some aren't, mm-hmm. but, but many are. I think it's a... I think it's a beautiful thing. I think mm-hmm. it's one of the most poignant parts of yeah. the shower is really the surprise when they walk in. Right. They gasp. And right. see it They all. can't yes. believe it. Yes. Yeah. They really do. It's really beautiful. The, the gifts are all in, you know, colorful gift bags that match. Most of them are either blue or pink or, um, and the tissue and the tags and all. It's really yeah. quite a nice display, yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. I've actually uh, delivered a few of, of, of those baby yes. showers and, had a, I'm like, man, I don't know if I can fit all this in my vehicle. <laughs> so it's a, it's a lot of stuff. Uh, it is a lot. But it's I, not I, like it's not needed. I mean, these yeah. moms are very thankful. Yeah. Um, can I ask you a items. question that occurs to me because we have so many new missionaries coming on, Sidewalk Missionaries. What would you caution them as they're starting uh, a, a baby shower ministry just in terms of what you do? And I don't mean to stump you with this question, but you do something that is different in from a typical baby shower. Ooh, um, I would caution, kind of you were alluding to it earlier, about 
not thinking your job is to be a friend. I mean, we do need to be a friend, but what we've said, we've already said it here, the, the job is to share the gospel and to disciple yeah, and um, to call out sin if need be. Now there's yeah. kind ways to do that and there's unkind mm-hmm. ways. Obviously, I'm I'm encouraging the kind ways, right. you know, and that's that tension. We are always walking that tension, um, working with that tension. But yeah. um, I, I don't have showers with cake and punch and parties and party games and all of that, if I can help it. Now I have. Mm-hmm. I have. If I've been discipling a woman all along or I know her mentor has, I'm a little more relaxed to do a party. But I right. don't typically want to have a party because for several reasons. One, the woman invites all her family and friends and then mm-hmm. I come in and I've got literally thousands of dollars worth of gifts. Right. And they're like, who is she? And yeah. why is she giving you all this stuff? Yeah. Then the woman is going to have to revisit her near abortion, how how I came into her life what the connection is. And I don't think she's going to want to do that. So I'm trying to help her see that, no, you really don't want to party because of this reason. Yeah. And then um, a second reason is I want to share the gospel. And that's really hard to do in a big group setting. Now, I have done it in a group setting, but it's really much better one-on-one in a more personal, private setting. And so what I typically do, I don't do decorations usually, um, and I don't do cake and punch. What I do, because I'm bringing all these gifts, and trust me, that is a lot of work. <laughs> and if yeah. I have to add decorations and food to that, it kind of puts me over the edge sometimes. <laughs> so what I like to do is is have a shower. It takes about an hour and a half, two hours to open all the gifts. And then I like to take them out to lunch yeah. or dinner, whatever meal is, is appropriate at the time. And then I like to share the gospel over the meal. Mm-hmm. And I'm very intentional about it. And it's tempting to just not do it. <laughs> Because yeah. it's awkward making that transition <laughs> from baby chit chat names and all right. that kind of stuff right. to gospel is sometimes challenging, most times challenging. But yeah. I'm very, after all the work I did for the shower, I'm pretty committed to making sure that this happens. So right. we shared over the over over the meal. But what? Um, uh, it's not to say she's got to come alone. I always encourage her to invite a close friend or a sister, or mom the boyfriend or husband or whatever. I mean, I'm happy to have a couple of others come as well. Right. And then a sidewalk counselor like you, Vicki, have been to many of them, mm-hmm. whoever initially met her, or if she has a love life mentor, the mentor is welcome to come. So it's typically, you know, six, seven people at the most. Right. Yeah. They're pretty awesome. I remember one where a woman came to the Lord in Denny's, was it? She was, yeah, she was, had been a former drug addict. It yeah. was in something like that. Yep, we've it had was, them, yep, yeah, at in, restaurants, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think it was Denny's, I remember, yeah, yeah. I know which one you're talking yeah. about. She's yeah. still following God, and she's doing, a, she's doing well. Yeah. Well, let's get into to some of those stories. Yeah. Because you've got a lot of experience. You, I mean, how many baby showers have you done over the years, like, Cajillions? I don't know a lot. <laughs> I mean, maybe I should an have done that math. I, yeah. A lot, a real lot. I mean, the first twenty years, you know, I was probably first maybe eighteen years. I was probably only doing three, four, five, six a year, so yeah. not that many. But the last twelve, since official, since getting storage units and getting a name, I've, I do about twenty-five to thirty a year, which wow. is a lot. So we're talking every other weekend yeah. almost. Yeah. 
So it's a lot. Yeah. And and so I do have three storage units now. I started out with just one little one. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it grew and grew and grew. And I have three quite large ones now um, that are pretty well organized. Not as well as I would like. But uh-huh. <laughs> but that's I, when people say you have three units, that's, it is expensive. And that's my major ministry expense. But um, when you think about it, I mean, think about 30 cribs a year. Think mm-hmm. about 30 car seats, 30 swings, 30 bathtubs 30 mattresses yeah all of that i mean 30 bedding sets and all the clothes i mean every woman gets about i don't know about 300 outfits of clothes right um at least i don't know do six times 12 what's that no no six. Oh, come on don't ask don't ask daniel <laughs> and for sure don't ask me six <laughs> times 12 Just, is 72, 72 okay right? good daniel yeah okay <laughs> they're getting probably about a hundred 30 outfits a year. It yeah. truly year. is thousands uh, of dollars worth yeah, of It really of, is. It's a of lot things. of stuff. Yeah. Um, so it, it just it takes a lot of room. And yeah. it, it's 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 a pretty well-oiled machine, the ministry yeah. is. But most yeah. of it is is a lot of grunt work. I'm doing a lot of cleaning. I'm doing a lot of driving, picking up donations, organizing. I spent like four hours in storage yesterday just, yeah. you know, yeah. putting stuff in and out and organizing and that kind of thing so yeah. it's 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 a lot of work I mean it's hot <laughs> in the in summer storage, it's hot right. in my little tin storage yeah. units in the winter it's it's cold yeah. just like you guys on the streets man it's hot and it's yeah. cold yeah absolutely so, so tell us some of those stories which uh, maybe maybe let's start with the we know there's highs and lows in any ministry maybe we'll we'll end on a good note and maybe you could tell us about some of the okay. sad or hard things that you've encountered yeah because you know there's this kind of notion because we share stories we share them on social media yeah there's this sort of notion that you know all the stories are great that they all go fantastic and you know in light of who god is and the fact that the gospel is being presented in all of these stories it's it's always a good it's always god is winning god wins as long as we're on his side we win right but the reality of ministry is sometimes more difficult than people would would really believe and and for someone like yourself that have been in ministry for 32 years and and really done some hard stuff people need to come to terms with the reality that ministry is tough and if nothing else to know hey pray for Cheryl pray for pray for <laughs> yes. Vicky on the sidewalk pray yes. for me as we're ministering on the sidewalk okay. because these these stories are difficult and they are weighty but God's grace is sufficient so yeah share share a story and struggle and and we'll get some prayer warriors from the podcast for you well I'll just touch on this one of the most ongoing difficult struggles is just the brokenness of America's families yeah and just when you when you get to know these women and I know you two know it well when you get to know them and you meet them and you meet their family members and you find out how disconnected the relationships are I mean a lot of the women we serve have had multiple children with multiple men and their siblings have done the same and and I used to try to meet them and try to mentally put together a family tree to find out how everyone's related and connected. And it's really virtually impossible. Mm-hmm. So that's been very discouraging. And I'm always delighted that the baby is alive. The baby is loved at this yeah. point and welcomed. And they're all excited about this baby coming. But um, but just knowing that the, the baby is, is born into quite a fractured family and and the generational problem that ensues when um i mean it doesn't take long to to 
break up the family. When, when a woman has never seen a functional nuclear family in her life, and then her children repeat it, and their children right. repeat it, they don't, they've never seen it work. Yeah. And, and that's really a big problem in America, not just with what we're doing here, but all across America. Yeah, absolutely. So that's been discouraging. I've come home from showers and cried all the way home. Right. Many times right. in my car, yeah. many times. So just struggling with that. And, um, but other lows have mostly involved the death of babies. Yeah, that's very hard. After all the work of saving, you know, mm-hmm. of saving babies on the mm-hmm. sidewalk and providing for them, meeting mm-hmm. all their needs, all down the list of, you know, your lengthy resource needs and baby showers and all that and have babies die yeah. is tragic. And right. I've seen it many times, actually, over 32 years. Um, a baby that was saved from abortion showered died of a brain tumor right at her second birthday. She was diagnosed at her first birthday and treated, you know, chemo, radiation, surgery, all of that, and and still passed away. Mm -hmm. And and I'm still in contact with that mother. Um, We actually reconnected on Facebook um, about six months ago. So we're still in contact. We this was this was probably 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, so we've reconnected recently. So I'm glad about that. And she has, you know, she's moved on. She's done great. Her other children are all grown by now and she's doing well. Let me ask you, was it was it at least a somewhat glimmer of hope in that very tragic situation that it was not she who had taken the baby's life? But it was whatever, cancer, whatever. Right. You know, that's Just, what I try to communicate yeah. in my weak and frail skills of right. doing so. Um, but they still always ask, right. why? You know, yeah. why? What? I should have just aborted this baby. The same result. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I say, no, it's not the same right. result. Yeah. Your baby knew love. Mm-hmm. Your baby knew your warm embrace, mm-hmm. your kiss, your hug, your tender voice, speaking yeah. to your child, holding your child. Your child knew that, knew that mommy loved her. Yeah. An abortion, she never would have known that. All yeah. she would have known is terror. Right. Terror. Yeah. And your conscience is clear. Mm-hmm. You've done the right thing. Mm-hmm. So these are the things I try to communicate. Right. Yeah. But there have been others. I mean, she's not the only one. There was a baby who died um, from asphyxiation in his crib. Oh, he had the flu, and she had taken him to the emergency room that the night before, mm-hmm. and um, he was treated, given medicine. She brought him home, put him in his crib, and woke up the next day, and he was... Yeah, that's awful. He had passed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's the one that got saved. She's the one who mm-hmm. called me with all those questions that day, and she was a believer by this point. Mm-hmm. So she had tough questions, and yeah. Yeah. and these are questions none of us have the answers to, but God is the one who's sovereign over life. We are not. We cannot take life. Only God can do his will and he has Mm -hmm. reasons and purposes and scripture shows all that and we are just to trust yeah Yeah. but very recently a mom who you two met right here on the sidewalks Mm -hmm. um here 
uh, just months ago, she delivered uh, twins, boy-girl twins, about a month early. Mm. She had been on bed rest, but she got to the eighth month and delivered a month early, and um, it was all expected. Nobody was surprised by a premature birth of twins, but the twins never... um, thrived they struggled Mm -hmm. for 12 days and 14 days Mm -hmm. and they both passed just a couple of weeks ago right so this is all very fresh and so I've been trying to minister to her and encourage her and pray with her and just be with her and there are no words I mean there are no words and and she is really quite numb right now but Mm -hmm. she did have those same questions like why Mm -hmm. what would have been wrong with me aborting you know Mm -hmm. that kind of thing so I went Mm -hmm. through the same type things with her so these are lows these are lows and these are questions I can't answer none of us really can but I do know that we have no right to take life right yeah absolutely and in in all of that by God's grace uh, and by his mercy, you were there and able to speak truth to these moms to listen the the hope ultimately that is that is sure and that is steadfast is the hope that's found in Jesus Christ, and you're able to offer that and that's a tremendous blessing. People have you know all across the world all across the country, their children die at young ages and they struggle with this, and they have the why and and many don't have a person like you who's going to be there and bring the mercy of God and the truth of God into the equation. So I, I appreciate you doing that, oh. and I know it's not easy. I mean, I've had situations, stories that I could tell of these moms and these these dads that I've ministered to, and you just come away from those situations thinking, wow, did, did I really do any good? Yeah. And, you know, and you start to <laughs> doubt, but then you put things in perspective. Like you said, that baby got to know love, whereas just in the womb and being torn apart by abortion— would not even be able to feel the touch right. of his mother. And so that's just an amazing way to put it. Appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. So going from the from the lows, yeah. share a story that's just been a, a <laughs> tremendous blessing, something that stuck out in, in through your years of and ministry. And there's so many of them. I've 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 yeah. been so privileged to be a part of so many of those with you. And there oh. are just really amazing stories from your ministry. There are, and it was really hard to narrow it down to one. Right, but <laughs> well, you can do two if you want. <laughs> well, I, I have one that's really very sweet, and it's about a 16-year-old story now. Um, mm-hmm. I met a very young, sweet couple, a Hispanic couple, um, at the Hebron Road abortion mm-hmm. clinic about right. 16 years ago. And I really don't even remember reading, meeting them at this point, but uh, they spoke only Spanish, so my you know, interaction with them was very brief because I don't know Spanish more than just a couple of words anyway. And I know like you, you've probably said in my spare time, I'm going to learn Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> Never <laughs> so happened. If you're listening one, and you're bilingual, we need you desperately. That's, that's one gift. I said, if the Lord can just give that to me without me trying, that, that <laughs> right. would be the that thing would be I would awesome. ask for. Amen. Yeah. So all I could do really at the time I met him was to, um, give them Spanish literature and a, and a resource list written in Spanish and say the little I could and point to the pictures, you know, of the babies in the literature. And that kind of, I showed them fetal models and they did, they turned away and they left that day. But I, you know, I, they had my number, but it's not like if they called, I could understand them. (laughs) The man spoke a little more English because he worked in construction and he had more exposure than she did. But um, anyway, several months later, 
they came back to the clinic all smiles and she had a big pregnant belly and so that broke all the language barriers right yeah. there her pregnant belly and you saw um, her at the clinic when she came back yes you just happened to be there that that day then yes well oh. i was there every saturday and okay. i think they probably knew maybe i don't know maybe they tried other times i okay. don't know to find me but if they came on a saturday i was most likely going to be there okay so um so they showed up and um, we rejoiced and wow. um, and I got their number once again and then I had a bilingual friend of mine call and offer the shower and make the arrangements of the time and date I could come and bring gifts and that kind of thing. Well, I came and they went through the gifts and I had you know Spanish gospel material, but I can't really share the gospel in Spanish. So anyway, that was kind of feeble, but it was the best I could do. Right. And um, then after the gifts were open they started calling their family and friends and they all started pouring into this teeny <laughs> tiny apartment with all the gifts already in the room too. So, and they start singing, they pull out instruments, the women go in the kitchen and start cooking. Oh my. And I am not a good cook. And they made, they were from Honduras and they made a delicious Honduran meal and they're making tortillas by hand. And I want you to imagine all these little feminine <laughs> hands patting out these tortillas in rhythm. I mean, it was almost, it was mesmerizing to uh -huh. me. And they're putting them in hot oil without burning their fingers. They're doing it with their bare hands. <laughs> and I'm like, why aren't you using a tool? It was it was amazing to me. It was breathtaking. So they're synchronized and doing all that. And they, you know, they start singing their songs and they start singing Christian songs. Oh. And um, it was really beautiful. And their baby was born, baby girl. Um, her name is Cynthia. And she was born in 2005. She just turned 15 a few, well, last month, August 2005. And she's in high school now. Wow. But the, the sweet part of this story is that this family calls me Every Christmas. Oh. Every Christmas they call me and thank me. Oh, wow. And, I mean, if it's not, well, it might be Christmas or New Year's. It's in that week of holiday. Yeah. Um, and, and the daughter always speaks to me the longest. She knows the story. She knows yeah. what almost happened to her. The 15-year-old wow. knows. Yeah. She knows she was almost aborted. Wow. She does. And her English is the best, so she talks yeah. to me the longest. Yeah. And um, they had another. They married. And they oh. had another daughter about four years ago. So they have two girls right now. And they work very hard. They're a very responsible family pursuing the American dream. And um, their gratitude has lifted me on many, many discouraging days. That's yeah. a really that is awesome, a an awesome story. We have a Vietnamese lady who sends both me and Cheryl and the interpreter yeah. mm -hmm. notes every Every few weeks yeah, with yeah, pictures yeah. and thanking in in mm -hmm. her broken English, thanking mm -hmm. you for mm -hmm. for all that you did and for us and being you, there. Yeah. It is she's sweet. That's she unusual is to very get that sweet. kind of thanks because yeah. there are many that don't thank. Right. As you know, there are many, but I the Lord has reminded me many times that you know Jesus at one point healed ten lepers, exactly. and only one came back to thank exactly. him. I mean, uh, uh. <laughs> A disease that is incurable, and right. only one came back to the right. Him. So That's we don't right. operate for thanks; we operate yeah. for God's glory. Yeah, but, but it those, is good to have some thanks. Yeah, because it can be discouraging a lot yeah. of times to be out there to be doing what you're doing day in and yeah. day out, and and not have any any thanks. The Lord is very merciful. Yeah. To let us sometimes yes. hear those those thank yes. yous. Yeah. Well, your model, your model of ministry became the model that I think um, Love Life strives to follow with their um, 
the the mentors when they give a, a baby shower, providing two years of the baby's clothes and equipment. And that's something that we call out every day. And that alone has changed people's minds. Yeah. Sometimes just hearing, oh, I don't have to do all that. And mm-hmm. they'll come and talk to mm-hmm. us. So it, when you said you kind of grease the wheels, it's it's not a bribe at all. It, it truly is just just showing I'm offering through God's people, this this love, this demonstration of love, and they're willing then to trust and to come talk with you. It does. It softens hearts. It softens hearts, exactly. And that, that lays the groundwork for the yeah, gospel. Exactly. Once, once hearts are soft, yeah. then they can hear truth. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, I mean, I think with that, we're going to wrap this thing up. Yeah, we could talk to you for hours. I think it's good to, hours, to end Cheryl, on a positive <laughs> note. Yeah. And uh, just thank God for all that he's done. I, I appreciate you, Cheryl. I appreciate your faithfulness to the Lord and the encouragement that really you've given to, to so many, um, certainly to me, certainly to Vicki and to others. Yes. And uh, if you guys want to reach out to Cheryl, where can they They can reach you? Is it truthandmercyprolifeministries.org? Yes. Is that how it is? Okay. Spell and, out and truthandmercyprolife.org. Okay. Cool. And they can get your email address there and, and reach out to you mm-hmm. that way. And if you guys want to support Cheryl, like she said, a big ministry expense is the storage units that mm-hmm. she has. And there's other ministry expenses that come along, gas yeah. and hauling these gifts and all of that stuff. So if you guys want to help out with that, you certainly could reach out to her. And I'm sure she would receive your donation. And Amen. if you have baby items you want to give, <laughs> yes, you can certainly absolutely. give some baby items to her. But Cheryl, we appreciate you coming and sharing, Mm -hmm. and uh, we appreciate you guys that listen. Please, again, like I started out, share this podcast. I'm sure it'll be a blessing to somebody. And reach out to us if you have ideas for future podcasts. We're going to be touching uh, on all kinds of subjects in the coming weeks. We um, just have a lot that the Lord is doing here in our ministry, and we want to share some of the things that God is doing and also share... Um, just some of the issues that we're struggling with and helping you guys. This is for people that are in ministry and you guys are just got some questions, some things you're struggling with. We want to help you as we talk through our struggles and the things that we're we're dealing yes. with on a daily basis and, uh, and help encourage you guys. So we appreciate you guys listening. And until next time, God bless. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude I know it will cost me my life But nothing's too precious since I met you